What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Disney's new CFO, Hugh Johnston. The former Pepsi exec joins us in his first interview from the House of Mouse after a big earnings beat. I actually feel like this is long-term a great industry. People want to be entertained. People want to get news. People want to get sports. Disney's sports streaming deal with Fox and Warner Brothers Discovery. You know, when we did this, we started from the perspective of the fan. How do we reduce friction? How do we make it easier for the fan? And I think this product will actually do that very well. How the company plans to change the game or games for fans and not just the sports ones. For the second quarter, we're expecting subs to increase by five and a half to six million globally and actually seven and a half million in the U.S. And obviously, uh, Taylor Swift is just an amazing phenomenon and she'll certainly contribute to that. That's coming up today. Plus, new details emerge from Jeffrey Epstein's links to Wall Street. I've known some unsavory characters over the over the last 30 yeah, or 40 no, I years. Never met Epstein. Yeah, never met Epstein, never met Madoff. And we're taking you on the ground in Iraq, where a U.S. strike has killed an Iran-backed militia leader. It's Thursday, February 8th, 2024. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. A U.S. drone strike takes out the Iranian-backed militia leader behind the attack on a U.S. base in Jordan. Kier Simmons joins us right now from Erbil, Iraq. And Kier, this is the strike that we'd been waiting for? Well, one of them, perhaps, Becky, they're not being clear about how many strikes there might be. And in fact, uh, the a government uh, official telling NBC News uh, that this strike was authorized by the president early last week and that they waited for the opportunity to present itself. Clearly, it did uh, last night with this. What you've got to say from just looking at the pictures is, is a really targeted uh, strike. Uh, the car set ablaze. Uh, three inside killed, including, according to the group itself, a commander with Qatar Hezbollah that uh, is accused of carrying out that attack on that uh, base that killed three uh, U.S. service uh, men and women. So that strike uh, targeted uh, and creating uh, anger on the streets immediately afterwards with crowds uh, shouting uh, no to America, uh, no uh, to uh, Israel. Uh, but whether or not this will be the last uh, hit, if you like, I don't think anyone could say. I, I wouldn't predict that, uh, honestly, uh, Becky. I, I think the really big question about the continuing uncertainty, I mean, I think uncertainty is an understatement uh, in this region, in, in the Red Sea and, and here in, in Iraq. I, I mean, I really think the interesting question is, uh, to what extent is, are these U.S. strikes de-escalating things? Uh, certainly this morning we have uh, those Iranian-backed militia groups asserting again that they will uh, double down on their attacks on bases, on U.S. bases. 
on uh, Kurdish forces uh, here in this part of Iraq. Uh, so the strike that we saw last night, once again, uh, not a direct target on an Iranian or in Iran. That would be a massive escalation, uh, but uh, seemingly calculated to, to hit, if you like, specifically uh, those militia that uh, the U.S. government deems responsible for that attack on Tower 22, that attack where those U.S. servicemen and women uh, died. Uh, but again, how this plays out from here is a question. I mean, Becky, just uh, to finish off, I'm mean, just hearing in Kurdistan and Iraq, for example, the oil pipeline into Turkey is closed down. They have a huge financial crisis here, not able to pay uh, civil servants because of a, a lack of, of cash flow. It's not clear when that will uh, resolve itself. And just think about the fact that this Kurdish part of Iraq, they are partners of the U.S. Uh, they have fought ISIS with the U.S. and now are standing up against Iran, although they also have some relations with Iran. It's a complex region. Uh, so a very, very difficult. It continues to be extremely difficult for the Biden administration, all this. Keir, I want to thank you very much. Keir Simmons, who is in Iraq. Let's uh, get right to the big news of the morning. A lot of unpack, a lot to unpack in the world of Disney. So let's start with the results. The company beat profit expectations, becoming in light on revenue. Disney raising, though, its guidance for 2024 as its goal of cost cutting uh, by now $7.5 billion by the end of the fiscal year remains on pace. Now, on top of the results, Disney announcing a big partnership. It's now taking a $1.5 billion stake in Fortnite maker Epic Games. They're going to be working together to create a new game, many new games and content features uh, that would include Disney characters. This is the company's biggest investment in the world of gaming to date. And then on top of that, there's the Sports Streaming Alliance. Disney's ESPN partnering with Fox and Warner Brothers Discovery on that joint venture, something CEO Bob Iger commented on last night on Closing Bell Overtime. We're looking for partners for ESPN to help us take ESPN in a direct-to-consumer business. What we announced yesterday is with two partners that are helping to do that in one way, bundled with their services, and what we'll do when we launch ESPN, where we will continue to look for partners, and we've been engaged in some good discussions with some possible partners. And then maybe some icing on the cake, Taylor Swift's Eras Tour film, will be coming to Disney+. Plus. The service did lose 1.3 million subscribers from the prior quarter due to price hikes, but saw a rise in average revenue per sub. But none of that seems to impress, if you can believe this, activist investor Nelson Peltz. His try-in fund management telling CNBC, it's deja vu all over again. We saw this movie last year, and we didn't like the ending. Referring, I think, to the idea that there was a period of time where uh, he was happy with uh, Bob Iger's results, suggesting maybe he's happy with these results and happy with directionally where they're going, but thinks that it's not going to be a sustainable something. They, they I don't know. The dividend by 50 percent, the share by. I don't know what else they could do. I, 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 it, I'm sort of at a loss as if you were if you're Nelson Peltz. What is it exactly that you think that you can do? That the stock will tell the tale. It hasn't told any good tales yet. And that you wouldn't No, No one likes that ending. That's a, that's, that's all you got to look at. It got back above 100. Yippee. Yeah. Yippee. Um, uh, we are going to have an interview uh, with Disney's CFO, Hugh Johnston. It's his first in his new role at Disney. We've known him for a very long time in his role at PepsiCo. He's in the middle of uh, what has been a, a challenging environment in the media sector and, of course, living through this uh, activist uh, fight. And we will uh, bring some of that 
to you uh, in just a little bit. So we'll get to go through all of this with him. I'm thinking about that. What does that mean? So Taylor Swift's thing goes there, so you need Disney Plus? You don't get any incremental revenues from just putting it on there. Yeah, but there. if you get subs. If you get subs. Everybody's seen it that, that's wanted to, to, to see it. There's five, uh, five new songs or something, I guess. It's the, the, you know the, the completion. You know economy, though. I, I mean, it's I know, even but Uber. I don't. I don't he, Uber has to be I think that's like uh, yeah, something nice to say, but it's not going to do anything material to, uh, to Disney's results. I don't, the epic thing seems, seems more... Uh, significant. I, yeah. I, other than that, uh, I don't know of any media company that. Did you see the shares of, of our parent yesterday yep. on yeah. that? It's 42 uh, and change. I don't know. Netflix, I guess. That's what everyone says, right? They've been saying right. it for a while. So if you. What assume, is the perfect media company that, right no, now? No, but if you assume that that's the case, yeah. what is it exactly? If you're going back to the Nelson Peltz of it all. What do I do if I was with Disney? Yeah, yeah. What, what, are, what are you doing if you're Nelson Peltz that's better than what you I was thinking about now? Nelson Peltz because I don't know if he has any idea what to do with a media company. Remember when he used to do consumer products right. companies and Jeff Sonnenfeld said he has no idea what he's doing okay, with so, what so doing? he likes to go in and stir things. He wants a higher stock price. I, I don't think he knows how to get there. Okay, well then that, but then that's the answer. I don't think anybody on the planet knows how to get Disney's stock price higher. That's what, that was my point. I, I don't know what media company that I would think, I, without a doubt, week. you're going to see 20% gains over up, the next couple of years. It's up almost 9% for the week. It's a good <laughs> week. You're right. It's barely but back the above high's 100. The high is like 200. I, 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 barely got over 100 again. Yeah. But the entire, I mean, that's what I'm is, saying. It's daunting. It's daunting. Well, well, yeah, but tell that to your, you know, to your retirement plan. Oh, I'm sorry. Life is relative. <laughs> it's all relative. You know, you've, you've made no money for a couple well, you of years. You decide you don't want to be in the media business then. Yeah. It might be. Yeah. You don't want to be in the media of, business. That's a different story. The media business is underperforming the S&P 500, for sure. New details uh, today about the connection between Jeffrey Epstein and former Barclays CEO Jess Staley. Legal documents show that Staley used an intermediary to stay in touch with the now-deceased a pedophile financier for years after he took the top job at Barclays. A Bloomberg report cites documents filed as part of the, uh, the settled Virgin Islands lawsuit against uh, Staley's former uh, employer, J.P. Morgan. And the discovery that the two men stayed in touch and hid their relationship is contrary to what Staley told the Barclays board uh, and a UK regulatory probe. Hmm. And a little rich too just in terms of him going after jp morgan to say that it was not his fault it was theirs how long the guy's been dead for and it's still every couple of days we have a because it's jeffrey epstein still don't story. know yeah. because nobody really knows you think it was all overplayed you said that before that there's no there there for for this right no no i think there's certainly Certainly, they're there for, for, but the for, big for the women who were... Right, well, that's what I mean, but the big conspiracy with all the... The thing that I don't understand about all of this... Nothing's ever come out. I think really. that there's such a large incentive... For, for something to come out. prosecutors, for uh, class action lawyers, for journalists, for all sorts that of people... Was there, ...to figure you know, out yeah. the thing, whatever this thing is, this sort of mysterious thing that we think we all know, but we seem to not what totally is that? What, know. What do you imply? Like, that some of the bold-faced names were actually involved? What I'm saying, if, if the boldface names were really involved, like really, really involved, I think we would know it even more than we do. And I don't. Because you do hear. I'm not defending the boldface names. I think it's right. possible they were, but I don't, 
I, I'm sort of surprised that we don't have more definitive something. And if it's really, you hear about videotapes that supposedly exist. Right. I just I don't understand a, why we don't know more. Ghislaine is writing something. Well, that guy had a lot of sway over a lot of people. Yeah, he did. He, he right, nobody, he's dead now. Yeah, but. And the amount of money that would be available otherwise. See, you see, his brother says, just no way. No way he took his little knife. I saw that. That's why we talk about it, because it's, you can come up with any scenario you want. That's too many. What, that's what that's the problem. <laughs> you All know right. what? Just thank your lucky stars, because we, we do, you, I, I never met Madoff, never met, I, I dodged a couple, because I've known some, some uh, unsavory characters over the, over the last 30 yeah, or 40 no, I years. Never met Epstein. Yeah, never met Epstein, never met Madoff. Me neither. Madoff, I did. Kozlowski. I, I, I interviewed Madoff in you prison. You met him after the fact. Yeah, after you did. The fact. I met him after the fact. That's not true, actually. I met him once, I think, prior. Walter Forbes. I knew that guy Dana Giacchetto a little bit. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, you know, thank God. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, the streaming partnership ready to shake up sports media. Disney's new CFO, Hugh Johnston, on the ESPN Fox Warner Brothers Discovery Strategy. College football, the NBA, the NHL, it'll offer over 80% of the national games that are currently broadcast in one easy move. I know there's still challenges in terms of getting that last 20%, but let's not let perfect be the enemy of what should be a really good product out there. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. Up and Andrew, cue. Let's talk about the big story of the morning. Shares of Disney moving higher ahead of the open. This after the company reported a solid quarter thanks to strength at its theme parks and cost cuts. CEO Bob Iger saying the company has turned a corner. For the quarter, you have across the board success. All of our business is doing really well. You just noted the improvement in streaming, which has been dramatic, not only quarter to quarter, but from a year ago. And that's the result of just a tremendous amount of hard work in terms of completely reorganizing the structure of that business, raising prices, of course, reducing expenses. Disney also announcing a number of new initiatives from a stake in Epic Games to ESPN streaming plans. But it doesn't appear to be enough for activist investor Nelson Peltz, who's now saying... Quote, it's deja vu all over again. We saw this movie last year and we didn't like the ending. Joining us right now is a familiar face to Squawk viewers who's now in a new role at Disney. We want to welcome Hugh Johnston, Disney's CFO. Hugh, it's great to see you this morning. Great to be with you, Andrew. Um, I imagine you're on the West Coast, so this is uh, an early morning for you. 
curious. Let's just start. Let, let's start actually at the Nelson Peltz of it all, which is this idea that he believes there. And there was a moment about a year ago where the stock popped on some on the back of some good news, but it fell back down again. And 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 clearly Nelson, I think, is is looking at that and saying, is that happening again? Yeah, it's interesting, Andrew. I, I saw the quote yesterday from Tran, and in all candor, I don't know what to do with that. I mean, that, that just feels like a bit of an idle complaint in so many ways. Hey, let's take a step back and, and talk about what we really communicated yesterday. Uh, number one, all of the hard work over the last year that Bob and the team have been doing has generated great results. Uh, top line results are solid. Bottom line results are really strong product of all of the businesses doing really well. So that was sort of point number one. Point number two was we feel confident about the future, which is why we gave the guide that we did. And not just the future for this year, but the future for multiple years with the share repurchase and with the dividend increase. And point number three is we're making progress on the important strategic initiatives to investors. DTC is improving profitability dramatically. ESPN is making good progress in terms of making itself available everywhere. And in addition to that, we feel good about the theatrical with, uh, with Moana, as well as the exciting news on Taylor Swift. So I think across the board, we're making good progress, and investors should want us to continue to do that and not be disrupted by uh, sort of debates about side issues. How challenging should we all think the media business is? And, and when investors say to themselves, not just about Disney, but maybe more broadly, should we be invested in the media industry, an industry that... Uh, at least over the past year, two years, maybe even longer now, has underperformed the rest of the market. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, and obviously, I, I've come to a decision on that personally, which is why I'm here. Uh, you know, I, I came because I thought there was big disruption happening in the industry. But I thought we were actually at an inflection point where the industry, and in particular, the Disney company, was coming out of that inflection point in a really, really positive way. So uh, from an investor perspective, I think this is a good time to catch us. Uh, the market is obviously responding positively to the moves that we're making, uh, both in absolute and relative to some of the other companies that we compete with. So I actually feel like uh, this is long term a great industry. People want to be entertained. People want to get news. People want to get sports. And when demand is there, generally speaking, we'll figure out ways to make money around it. Tom Rogers was on a little bit earlier and made two points that I wanted to play back to you if I could. Moffat Nathanson had done an excellent report showing that Netflix at the same point in revenue and the same point in subs had about uh, four billion more in profitability than Disney did at the, with the same revenue and subs. And so I think there's still questions about what kind of uh, uh, profitability trajectory the streaming business is on. But the Hulu issue, I think, really points up some significant management issues on the streaming side. Everybody's talking about advertising in the streaming space now as Netflix uh, lights up advertising households, uh, Max lights up advertising households. But Hulu's the granddaddy of advertising in the streaming space with far more advertising households than anybody else. And uh, last year, ad revenue on Hulu declined. It declined again last quarter. What do you think of that part of the analysis? Well, in, in terms of where we are on DTC profitability, I, I think we're very focused on building a really strong, solid business that's very competitive in, in what's a competitive space. And we feel good about the assets we have. 
whether it's Disney for the family, whether it's General Entertainment with Hulu, whether it's ESPN for the sports fan, we feel like we offer the household the broadest array of entertainment options with our streaming service. Uh, comparing to where Hulu was 10 years ago is interesting in some ways, but it was such a different time. There was very little competition at that time. Now there's multiple streamers. I, I feel like we're in a position right now where we've said, our, we're building towards a business that will consistently grow subs and will be a double digit margin business. And that's an attractive business to be in. So uh, I, I do feel like we're tracking on, on the right way. And I feel like we're actually building what will be a, a terrific business over time. On the new sports package, should we think of it as a skinny bundle that really is focused around sports, or should we think about it as something broader? I, I think we should think about it as both in all candor. It, it is a skinny bundle to be sure, but I do think it's broader than that. And I heard you all talking a little bit about some of the, some of the challenges in, in bringing sports to fans. You know, when we did this, we started from the perspective of the fan. How do we reduce friction? How do we make it easier for the fan? And I think this product will actually do that very well. It's gonna offer, whether it's college football, the NBA, the NHL, it'll offer over 80% of the national games that are, that are currently broadcast in one easy move. To me, that reduces friction for the sports fan. And I know there, there, there are still challenges in terms of getting that last 20%, but let's not let perfect be the enemy of what should be a really good product out there. What about the leagues, however? Uh, there are reports now that the NFL, the NBA say that they were caught off guard, uh, uncomfortable about this because they worry that it very well may be, even though uh, everybody's ostensibly acting independently, maybe they, everybody's not acting independently in terms of as bidding is uh, done for licenses in the future. Yeah, I, I can assure you, everyone's going to be acting independently. This is not for, uh a, a JV from a buyer perspective. This is a JV from a distribution perspective. So from, from that standpoint, the NBA actually came out with a statement yesterday saying they were supportive of it. Uh, in addition to that, if, if I'm sitting in the league offices, the number one thing I'm concerned about is how do I make things easier for my fans so that those fans can get access to my content as easily as possible? And I think this is an enhancement to them. So my expectation is the league should be actually quite happy about this. Hey, hey Hugh, that, that brings the question, though. Is this different than Hulu was? Because if everybody's still kind of got their own agenda, it's tough to pull that together. And that's what we saw with Hulu. Yeah, I, I think you have to separate the two, though, Becky. I know there's been some, some talk about that. But Hulu actually procured content as, as a collective. We're not procuring content as a collective. We're basically offering a distribution option. So the governance obviously will be everyone sort of voting uh, equally, but in terms of the way that content is procured, in terms of the way the economics work, it's really much more based on individuals contributing themselves into this distribution capability. When you think about the investment in uh, Epic Games, uh, owner of course of Fortnite, speak to what you think the economics of that could turn out to be. Yeah, I, I think it's early days for us to speculate on that. I mean, the product isn't even built yet, so I think we have a little bit of time. What I do know is if, if you look at basically uh, people under 40, they do spend a lot of time gaming. And for Disney, this is the biggest move we've ever made into gaming. And we're doing it with Fortnite, which is obviously a great franchise. 
it will be a Disney universe that will sit side by side with a Fortnite universe with the ability to move back and forth between the two universes. So I think it's going to be very, very attractive. In terms of pricing and all of those things, it's just too early for us to really talk about. But I do expect it's going to be a very profitable business for us. That's part of why we took the small equity stake, because we thought to ourselves, why not get compensated from an equity perspective, not just from a games perspective? And, and is the view that this gets built in one day to Disney Plus? Is this a standalone thing? Do you have any kind of sense of what that ultimately looks like? No, I, I think it's too early to speculate on that, although I don't know why somehow there can't be some connectivity into Disney Plus. But again, it, this is very early days. We, we need to get the games built. Ultimately, I, I can see it playing into some of the Disney Plus content, playing into the gaming universe. But Disney Plus will be separate from the games. One of the things that did take place during this quarter was revenue uh, was less than expectations, but profit was was much more than expectations, which raises a question, at least in my mind, just about the elasticity of pricing uh, over time and the strength of the consumer, uh, the demographic of the consumer for Disney. It was always a very broad-based demographic. Does that change? Does, become, does, does Disney become a luxury business? I don't think so. Uh, and, and when you talk about elasticity, if you look at across the board, the way our revenue growth broke down, uh, the parks delivered 7% revenue growth or the experiences business. So from that perspective, uh, it suggests uh, robust elasticity and, and high demand for the products. DTC, where we did take some substantial price increases, grew revenue 15%. The revenue number being flat is purely a product of the fact that we're overlapping last year two movies, uh, Avatar as well as Black Panther, with basically no movies this year. Now, as we go forward, Bob talked yesterday about the slate that we have, uh, Planet of the Apes, Deadpool, Mufasa, Inside Out, and of course the announcement on Moana. We're feeling good about the theatrical slate, which along with the balance of the business growing revenue well suggests we should have good revenue performance this year and next year. You're bringing Taylor Swift's uh, film onto the service What's the expectation for new, I, 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 actually, let me ask this. When you do something like that, how do you math out new subs versus preventing churn for a, pro, for a product like that and what I imagine is a, a big expense? And I don't know if you want to give us some details about that expense. No, we're not ready to share details on the expense. But what I would tell you, and, and we laid out this guidance very specifically for investors, is uh, for the second quarter, we're expecting subs to increase by five and a half to six million globally and actually seven and a half million in the U.S. So that certainly suggests we're optimistic about the sub outlook. And obviously, uh, Taylor Swift is just an amazing phenomenon. And she'll certainly contribute to that, not just in the second quarter, but actually in the third quarter and beyond. But do you sit around and math out and say, you know what, that film unto itself could be worth two million subs? And then, of course, the question is, can we keep those people around? We do. I, I, we, we look at those investments in a very granular way. You have to. Now, predicting these things isn't that easy, but I think we've got models that allow us to at least put a handle around it so that we can make a good decision on whether we're uh, investing the money uh, in the right place financially. And I'm optimistic that this one is actually going to exceed our expectations. Uh, returning to the issue of ESPN, now that you have this other uh, package, sports package, uh, you've still kept open the possibility of a deal with a league or a technology company or something else. Can you give us any direction about what that could look like? And how would that compete against this new package, I guess, is the bigger question, maybe. 
Yeah, so let, let's separate the, the two. Uh, right, what we communicated yesterday or the day before yesterday was, I think, substantial progress on the distribution side, reducing friction for the sports fan. Uh, what we might do on the league side, we'll communicate on that when we're ready to. We're obviously having conversations. We have great relationships with all the leagues. And I'm optimistic we'll be able to get something done there, but I don't want to speculate on that. In terms of uh, what we call now ESPN flagship, which is uh, a much more digitally oriented product, that one's about a year and change away. We, we said it'd be in fall of 2025. I think that sits side by side with the announcement that we made yesterday. Uh, very digitally oriented. We'll have things like uh, enhanced statistics. Uh, it'll be integrated with, with ESPN Bet. It will be integrated with ESPN Fantasy Sports. So for what will likely be a, a younger demographic who wants much more interactivity as a part of their, their sporting engagement, I think it's going to offer them a terrific product that, as I said, will sit side by side with the JV that we announced yesterday. Talking about ESPN bets, have you made a bet on, uh, on Sunday? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually just rooting for a great game. Okay. Uh, Hugh Johnson, we appreciate you waking up early, uh, and we appreciate seeing you in this new role. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be with you guys, as always. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. That's the pod for today. Thanks for tuning in. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern, and you can always get the best of that three-hour live TV show, plus a little extra, if you follow Squawk Pod wherever you're listening now. We'll meet you right back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric CDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com.